0: Please note, we are not giving expert medical advice. Our content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you do need to talk to someone, please look in the show notes where you'll find helpline phone numbers.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 10 of We Are All A Bit Mental. It's a chat show where we aimed. Did I say chat show? <laughs> it's a chat show. It's a chat show. You
2: see, I would have read that as it's a chat how.
0: <laughs> At least you didn't say it was a shit show. I suppose. It's, it's episode yeah. <laughs> ten. It is a bit of a shit show by now, what?
1: right? <laughs> 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 Sorry, people. We're all a bit overexcited. It's episode ten. You see, and it is a chat show where we aim to question and challenge the rather wonderfully complex and often slippery subject of mental health. I'm Lynne Ferguson, and as this is the last show of the first series, I'm snuggled up on the sofa dangerously for one last time with Chesney Oaks, Brandon Block and Neil Harrington.
2: Hello, everyone. Now, snuggle
3: up. Oh, on, snuggling. I'm snuggling. Hello, everyone. Pass me the blanket. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Share the blanket, Brandon, for God's sake. Yeah. Someone's put on a bit of uh, a few pounds, <laughs> haven't they, Brandon
1: Block? <laughs> Don't be so...
3: Oh, dear. What lovely ten weeks it's been. Someone wash the blanket. Come hey, on, sake. snuggle
1: in, boys. Give me the blanket. <laughs> so, today's topic is change. Yes, change. Ah. And we're going to be discussing that with our guest, Toby Anstis, in a wee bit. But before that, as this is our last show, it's the perfect opportunity for us to reminisce and talk about what we've done and learned on our journey over the past ten weeks. Okay, boys, what have you learned? Hmm. Uh, Who wants to go first?
2: Well, for me, it's been just the most amazingly beautiful um, thing to, to get together every every Wednesday morning. Um, I feel like it, this has been my therapy, to be honest with you. Dem- Guys, I I was close yeah. to... Uh, to to Brandon and Lynn before didn't know Neil and now you're all my bezies. as is that? Yeah, you're, you're my family, oh. and I'm so happy that we're snuggled up on this couch together. Um, and I hope we can continue because it really it's it's been a wonderful journey. It really has. I've I've loved it. Yeah.
1: Me too. I'm with you on that. Like I love meeting you guys on a Wednesday morning. Definitely, it's like well, it's Wednesday morning for us. It's Wednesday afternoon, Wednesday night for you yeah. over there, Neil and Brandon. <clears throat> yeah. But also, the thing that I, I didn't know, even though I know you well, Chesney Oaks, is what a magnificent musician you are. Yeah. Like, I oh. have been really bowled over by that. Like, that was <laughs> extraordinary,
2: you know. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's just what I do, you know. <laughs> it was going to
0: be one of the things on my list, uh, Ches. You, you have the most incredible voice yeah. And, um, and you're so talented, and, and it's been a wonderful uh, feature of the show. To it's almost like, It's been like Chesney's Challenge every week. <laughs>
2: well, thank you, guys. I, I accept that challenge, and uh, I can't wait for one that stumps me. I mean, I, I have been stumped uh, at times in the studio here thinking, what, how the f*** am
0: I going to do that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so what's the plan? So
0: when, when we get a guest that says, I want whatever, and it stumps you, what's our plan?
3: Uh, Ignore something that makes you slightly less happy. <laughs> <laughs> moderately or, happy. You got a moderately, happy, a moderately happy
1: one. <laughs> 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 or we could put on Born Free again. Like, yeah. Just, well, let's go
2: on Born Free,
3: big Brandon cry. Make Brandon cry. Right. It's good
0: radio. <laughs> it can be the go-to backup,
3: can't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for me, it's Josh. just I come in here and at six o'clock and. I just get lost in our in our conversations and our little get-togethers and we've actually pulled together something really really lovely and listening back to it you think god oh, it's just nice to get involved and just listen to it there's nothing mm. really too difficult going on we can just evolve ourselves and, I, and that's what the feedback's been so i think it's just been a wonderful journey and and it is a bit emotional you're right ches because you know it, it, it it's been an emotional time and i think the fact that we've been able to support people and hopefully get people uh, give them some support as well and give us some ideas that it's not yeah. they're not alone you know everyone's we're not alone we are you know we
0: have made a difference well you know we've had messages uh letters um a lot of private messages people going just thank you it's uh it helps you know and mm. it's not too heavy but it helps and, and, and that's that's, it is. that's what i've taken from it actually i mean, some stuff that we've talked about, I think pretty basic when you think about it. And I think my mental health has really, really improved over the period we've done this. And at Mm. the beginning, Brandon, you said this is about trying to communicate to people that this is about practicing everyday good mental well-being. And that's what I have started to do now because of us doing this show. And it really has been helpful. So, yeah, it's been uh, unexpected as well because we didn't know what to expect, did we? No.
2: No, we didn't. And Neil, can I just give a little shout-out for you, please, here? I mean, I'm I'm sure I speak for the three of us here. but What a job it's just astonishing what you've achieved here um and yes. you lovely listeners you have no idea what goes on behind the scenes but basically the three of us turn up and uh, and we just uh, leave neil to it <laughs> and neil <laughs> spends the rest of his life <laughs> listening to us and editing and and uh, and putting the show together and what an amazing job he does and uh, so i just want to say thank you neil for for all oh, the work that you've done thank
0: you chez i know you guys appreciate all the hard graft and there's Plenty of love coming back from me to you, that's for sure. Uh I've now got three new great friends and we all get to work together regularly and share
3: some special moments and and it's lovely. I concur with Chesney Neil. And you know what? This came from a conversation about right now this is where it came from. The conversation with Neil about three years ago. Ibiza, when it? he asked me and said, Have you thought about doing podcasts? And I said, I have no idea how to do podcasts. And he said, I'm gonna look into it. <laughs> and i then saw and then when obviously it, it came down the line a bit and then i i thought god and then for some, I, whatever Ches, you came into my mind i, I just because we was on that journey of meant you know the whole the charity stuff and i remembered yeah we were talking and i thought god what story and then obviously you introduced me to the lovely lynn and i'm getting emotional now Uh um, no. neil neil Incredible, mate. What I'd, you know, and and when you realise you listen to, you have to listen to everything we've said, not just the thirty Don't minutes you. it comes down to. Oh, it's two God. hours every <laughs> night of <against> us <laughs> rambling <laughs> and talking. You got to pick the best bits and then put it together the way you do. Our hats yeah. off to you. Oh,
0: thank you.
3: Yeah. You're an incredible human being. I think you've got to take a lot away from. Yeah. Oh. You know, you know I'm this is up, your baby, mate. It's your just baby. It's definitely definitely and thank you all, both so and thank you too so much as well. It's
1: a bit, it's funny because one of the things that I love about it, like I love all of you individually for and completely different reasons, <laughs> do you know, like very different people, but one of the things that I, I love and I hope that the podcast is doing is that um, I feel like maybe because of how we met and how we do stuff that we're like the conversation that anybody could join.
3: You yes. know, sometimes
1: you get that thing where you hear somebody and they go, well, all right, I wouldn't be able to sit with them and talk. Where I, I like the tone with us because I feel... Because it is genuine. People come in and we're like, oh, hooray, a surprise. Look, another person, let's talk at the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: yeah.
2: Right? And we often all talk at the same time, don't we? <laughs>
3: yeah,
1: yeah, and we all get excited as well. We're like, oh, my God, there's a guest, that's magic. And it's... I I love that because actually um, because of the time that we're in and because of where we all have been in different ways, like the world can be a bit sneery. Do you know what I mean? That you can feel yeah. like you go on a show or something and people are like they've got an agenda. The they actually that this, there is no agenda. We're also excited for the company. to see everyone
2: <laughs> pleased oh to be God. here. <laughs>
0: the communal <laughs> area at the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Just, so, it is time to introduce this week's guest. He's a presenter who's still going strong after 30 years in the business. It's my absolute pleasure to introduce television and radio presenter and the man in the driving seat every morning nationwide on harp dance. It's Toby Anstis, ladies and gentlemen, on our podcast. Yay, everybody. Toby. Hello everybody. Hey, Toby. Toby.
4: Inviting me. No, really, Clive, sit down. <laughs> Thank you for having me in the group tonight. That's really, really cool. Toby, I was
0: just gonna do the introductions to the team. Obviously, there's Chesney Hawks and Lynn Ferguson. Yay.
4: Great to see you man it's been a uh, while. Well. Yeah good to see you Chess as well but and you Luke. And
0: obviously you need no introduction to Brandon Block.
3: Oh there's my oh, oh. man oh. Nice to see you Toby. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Lovely to see you man.
0: Guys just just before we kick off just one thing for the team. I'm a bit concerned that we've made a bit of a silly move here because we've done nine consecutive shows or weeks. Yeah. Our first time as presenters. Just about got away with it without being found out. And then in the last show in the series, we go and invite a professional presenter.
4: (laughs) Well, use that word loosely there, my friend.
2: (laughs) I think we're all right. But thank you, Neil, for the build-up and everything, mate. I'm
0: just worried we are going to get found out. And, of course, he's also got a degree in psychology.
3: I believe oh, yes. we really yeah. are in trouble. at the table tonight, <laughs> do. My,
4: my little collective here. Yeah, I've sussed you all out within the first two minutes. Don't you worry <laughs> about what that. We forgot
3: to put in the uh, disclaimer, Neil. Is that shows non-judgmental. So Toby's not going to cast judgment uh, over not. our presenting skills.
4: Not at all. And people always said, Oh God, you've got a degree in psychology. If you already worked me out, you're kind of reading my body language and everything. But not, not at all. You'll sit there, have a drink and dinner and chill. Don't <laughs> start employing those tactics. Well, not till date number <laughs> <Yes>. two. <laughs> 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 uh, but this date number one with
1: you guys so none of that's gonna happen <laughs> hey you know with such a long career and you've sort of consistently uh retained success along your yeah. career mm. how have you managed that is that like a conscious thing or has it been like you know have you white knuckled it all i
4: ever wanted to do from the age of eight or nine was be on the radio from the very first moment we went on summer holidays to devon and mum and dad took us to see the radio on road show i'm sure so many people this inspired so many people to get on the radio i remember seeing Gary Davis live on stage <laughs> on the hoe in Plymouth. <laughs> Gary Davis. And I remember just sitting there in the sunshine, you know, being a, a young lad with my twin sister, and we were, we were having an amazing holiday and seeing the excitement, thousands of people round what was a really tiny little stage at the time. Um, and this guy coming out, you know, medallion man Gary with his tan and his shorts <laughs> and the girls going mad for him. And then he had complete control of this crowd. And I remember sat in there thinking, wow, not only are we there enjoying this, but this is actually going out. People everywhere around the country could hear this through a little box. And the whole concept of excitement like that being filtered and and spread around and bringing happiness and joy to so many millions of people absolutely got me. Mm. And I thought the power of that, and and it's just, that's what I want. I just want to make people happy and it's going to be via music. And I thought, I I didn't want to really, telly never even came into it. That was not even in, well, I didn't really have a plan. (laughs) That was never something I even thought. A, I'd be able to do. B, I'd have the talent to see. It just wasn't even there on my agenda. But being on the radio I was for ages, and then from the very early days of that, and then putting a little. Um... <laughs> Used to pretend my bedroom was a studio, so I put this red bulb oh. in one of my mum and dad's bedside lamps, and I put it in a cardboard box, and I wrote "in felt tip on air" all over the box. <laughs> and when I turned that light on, nobody was coming in, <laughs> and I had this little tape recorder, one of them little old sanyos with a with a little mic tapped Shut in you. there, and I used to pretend I was on Radio One, you know. And it was just, uh, it was just, it was laughable when you think about it. But I, I, I set the whole thing up and, and loved it, and. Um, so then getting into TV was completely by accident. And eventually, after doing eight or nine years on various TV shows on the BBC and stuff from other places, then landed a job on Heart. And that's where I've been and very happy and still am, you know, ever since. But I never I never expected to go on the telly. I don't think I'm the best, you know, I'm not, I'm not brilliant at, at TV. I think I'm better at doing the radio and I'm still learning how to do that. You know, every week I learn stuff. I think A, having, Chesney knows all about. I think A, having a level head and never expecting and never wanting to be famous is one thing. Mm -hmm. So I was never going into it for that. And B, just every time an opportunity was there, putting everything, that's always been, I got that from my parents, my ethos has always been just to, you know, always go that little bit further, give 110%. And if you work that hard, you don't burn any bridges and you get on with everyone, which I generally do. I reckon that's worth about 70-80% of your career. Mm. Backed up with the other 20%, do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, similar to what you were saying about in your bedroom with the, with your Sanyo and your little red light. Uh, you know, I just locked myself in in my bedroom with a guitar and and it was all I ever wanted to do. That was it. I never had a backup plan. So I think a lot of it is to do with, as you say, the, the drive and passion and, uh, and your ethos to, towards, like, you know, working because i mean the thing is you've got to put put work into it haven't you um and i think that's where longevity comes from it's like you know you get you've been knocked back a few times i've been knocked back a few times you just got to get up and keep going because for me i couldn't do anything else yeah can we
0: just rewind slightly the topic of this show is change so toby can we just sort of rewind back a little earlier you got a degree in psychology yeah and then you ended up being a presenter so I know, There's I know. a change.
4: Yeah, exactly. From, you know, Surrey University to like a broom cupboard with a puppet. I mean, how did that happen? <laughs> and that would never have been. That would never have been. And it wasn't in, in, in the plan. But then I never really, I don't know about you guys, I never really had a plan. I, I felt ambitious and I knew, really knew what I wanted to do. It was in me somewhere that I just wanted to make people happy. Now, if that had been working in a hotel or a bar or, or whatever it might have been, or, I don't know, or being a psychiatrist, which I did think about at one point. I was very tempted to take a postgrad and do a dip, you know, and go in and do a diploma and, and go on to be a counsellor. But I, but I don't know if I would have had the patience and I was too excited about other things, I think. <laughs> so that never happened. But of course it was a big change from, not just going from doing a psychology degree, which I loved, really loved, and that set me up well, to then going to a sales job, to then ending up on the telly. And nobody, and I have no problem with this, But nobody told me what to expect when I suddenly... My face was all over the telly and suddenly in team mags every single week, Mm -hmm. week in, week out for four or five years, that, you know, you would suddenly become really famous and you had had screaming kids coming up in McDonald's asking you to sign napkins and stuff. And then it didn't stop and it just carried on and on and on. And then suddenly you don't have that contract anymore and you have to go and do something else. You have to pick yourself up. But then there was something else coming along. But in no time, in all that time, did I ever really sit down and think, whoa, what the hell's happened so things unravel, and then I'm just trying to tie back up loose ends now. You know, I've had plenty. I've got a good helping of, of counselling and all sorts of therapy and stuff like that, just to not so much for that, but I think all those insecurities that broadcasting can bring out, and the, the being in this sort of area bring out all sorts of insecurities at certain times.
2: Well, fame can do that as well, right?
4: No, it does do that. Yeah. You know, it's like Ches, and you had it on a much bigger level than me. But when I was when I started, I was spending half my time with Take That. You know, we were. They did their first TV thing with me. Then we did Smash It's. We were on doing Smash It's road shows, the Poll Winners Party, all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was getting screamed at like a pop star. Yeah. When that yeah. suddenly stopped, and I didn't. I remember being on a train back from a road show. It was in Nottingham, World of Adventures. Do you remember those road shows? You yeah, of course. You and they were mental. And, and they were like, um, I remember, I was probably coming towards the end of the contract with Children's BBC and The Ozone and all that stuff. So I was thinking, this stuff's going to sort of die away. And then what the hell the next thing's going to be, I'm not sure. But I remember looking out the train window on my own, sat there on the train back from Nottingham, thinking, looking out the window, really calm, and just thinking, do you know what, this is going to end.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: I knew that day, I think it was one of the last road shows, and I thought, I've only got a few months to run on this contract, we're coming into the autumn, so I probably won't do it, I might well not do another summer of these road shows. I remember not being too bothered about it, but still thinking, what the...
2: What happened Nobody's there? Nobody's telling me yeah. what
4: to do. Nobody's telling me what happened. Um, and nobody ever once said, ever said, how, how are you? Mm. Mm. How are you yeah, feeling after that? I can that? relate to that. Suddenly when you don't, your contract's not renewed. 100%, man. How are you going to feel about that? So we built you up into this person. Now we're just going to let you go. And no yeah. one's going to help you out, by the way. And no one's going to counsel. There's no transitionary period where yep. they'll help you out and get another job. Nothing. Brutal like that. But I wouldn't swap anything in the world. And there's a, there's a bit of steel in me from somewhere that... Has just kept me going
2: yeah i mean you, luckily you have that bit of steel you have that in you in your personality but a lot of people don't and these days i mean you know that was a long time ago now, nowadays it's i think even worse for a lot of these kids when these reality tv shows you know they go into these oh, things oh, yes. and and they're blown up to to <laughs> this huge thing and they're all over the front pages but and- what
4: i did Chess, i avoided it i i knew that it wasn't good that was happening and i knew it was ridiculous but what I did as I've always done with a lot of things is tucked it under the carpet. Oh I've, yeah, hundred percent. If I'd have seen it for what it was, I would have dealt with it m- on a much deeper yep. and a better level and a healthier. But you've
2: dealt with it later on in life in the same way I have. You know, it's almost like I always, right. I, I always say that I felt like later on in life I actually got to know myself. You know, like mm. I actually met me, <laughs> because back then you didn't know. Wow. Really, did you? You didn't really know. No. I don't think reality
4: stars, when you mentioned it earlier, these people that end up doing a series on Love Island, I don't think they know what hard work is, to be honest. No. Not like... as some, Somebody said to me once, oh, yeah, they're, you know, they're in the new money. Mm. They're in the Instagramable, yeah. you know, Instagram. That's how they do their stuff. We didn't have that when we started. They, they, they do actually get success very quickly, and they also get money very quickly. Yeah. Whereas, you know, whereas, whereas we've really... Oh, no, we've grafted it through a lot of years. But
2: in many ways, those people have it worse because they don't yeah, know what's do. happening. And, and then suddenly you get this kind of fame and money and you believe your own hype, don't you? So that yeah. when it eventually, as it always does, it disappears mm. and they get kind of kicked out of the club and they're on their ass and having a you know, really tough time uh, kind of sorting it out in their head what just happened, you know, a lot of these people mm. uh, really suffer with their mental health because of that. And there's no help for mm. them in any of these uh, TV... Production companies, there's no, there's no real kind of, you know, emotional help. Um, there's no, support. For, for they them. no to, support. They need to, they need to do If they're no, going to do no.
3: these shows, right? This is the thing now, and I think this has become apparent in the last few years, right? Yes. Especially in my experience and what I've looked at, you're thrown into this environment, which is a social experiment. Regardless, in every single one of them, we have tools. We have tools to be able to deal with resilience, like resilience of the letdowns, let's say, or the, mm. you know, they do mm. it for sports. you have got a sports psychologists, right? Because obviously, sports, sports men and women don't always get to the cut. And, you know, they may work really, really hard for three, four, five, six years. And then all of a sudden, unfortunately, you've just picked at the post and you're left. And so, it, but this is a really quick fix, isn't it? So yeah, you get on absolutely. a TV show, which is shown to millions of people, you have to Instagram, you have to, you have to be, as Ches was saying earlier, you have to do it now. You can't get anywhere without doing that stuff now. But what you do is you then compare yourself because you're always yeah. wanting to be better than... There's 100 million followers who the next one's got, or yeah. blah, blah, blah.
4: I think it's interesting because people sometimes say to me, or they do, they have a lot over the years said, so I'll tell you, you know, what do I really want to be a presenter? And I'll say, well, one of the best things you can probably do before you go and do that and attempt to do it, and then all the other things follow, like fame and whatever else you get with it, just go and see the world, go and make mm. yourself a more interesting person by going out, seeing stuff, doing stuff, go and study for something. Mm. Because you'll probably be a better broadcaster yeah. if you've got that and done that and learnt that. You'll be a better person, more educated person, more well-informed person, and that will set you up for a much mm. longer period of time. You'll have had some life experience, you'll know how to deal with people in situations. Well, I hadn't done loads of it, but at least I knew I'd been at, I'd been at university for three you years. did a so psychology done all the degree. Living away from right. home, did a psychology degree, you have to live, you live on your own, do your budgets, you know, work out who your friends are, all that business. Mm. Whereas these 18, 19 year olds going in, they're just straight out of college or school, straight into fame and all that. So I agree, but they don't get any um, uh, support. There's no life experience. No, they don't get looked after at all. No, not at all. And they say, they say they do, don't they? But and
2: exactly, but there is.
3: It has to happen. They're going to need accountability because, well, you know. Well,
2: especially as there have been some deaths, you know, some of them have taken their own lives, yeah, you know. I mean, I mean, it's not just a one off thing. This is like, this has happened a few times now. So yeah. they need a little bit more accountability. Totally. Absolutely. I swear
1: at that, that thing about it being a social experiment. It isn't an experiment. It isn't. Cause an experiment is something that you do when you don't really know what's going to happen. You go, well, I'm going to experiment ah, yes. with that and do that. Mm. Yeah, this yeah, isn't. Do. It's the. It's like willful. It's, yeah. well, it's exploitation.
2: exploitation. Exploitation. Oh it, listen.
4: It, it's it's theatre. It's all theatre, and all the people in those shows are the puppets. Mm. Yeah. And it's as simple as that. And if you throw yourself in there, it's really up to managers, agents, or parents or whoever bef- of that you know who with those people to put them through some kind of yeah. thought process first before they decide to go and do it
1: totally mm.
4: at least then you're slightly prepared i think i mean you know before you go and do the jungle before i did that you have to have a, 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 psych- a psychometric test for two hours and all that business but these young kids they don't i don't think you get that before you go into those do you shows, know i do think you?
1: that there, it's a really interesting thing about change though right which is that, like the way that you've talked about your career is that that because you've had passion you've been able to accept change that happened to you right you've had a vision you may not know exactly where you're going but you know that there's something that you want to achieve and yours really is like connecting to other people but I mm. think that what happens I, I could be wrong maybe my own social experiment but that um, that people, who go into reality shows, who go into the social experiment, these young... And I mean people who have not even been part of celebrity, just like from nowhere, they want to bring on a change. They want to make a drastic change. It's like a weird kind of uh, surgery to change them from being invisible to very visible.
4: Well, you get you get a lot of people who want to change people's perception of them, don't yeah. they? So that's why they go in and do it. And some of them do it very successfully, I think. But
1: also, I would argue that it's not that people who go into reality shows are necessarily afraid of hard work. I think they're desperate. I think that's the thing that I think is cruelest about it, that they don't, if, like, the TV shows don't pick uh, candidates who are, like, 18 years old and they're like, well, I'm 18 years old, I might study psychology, I've got this stuff going on. I'm gonna do this, I mm. might be successful. They're like, I'm 18 years old, you know, I hate my life. Uh, I want to be like blah, blah, blah. They've already got something that they want to change that is obvious. And, and the show says, we can change that for you. We can change you from unhappy. <laughs>
3: As as Lynn was saying, they're not experienced anymore. I don't even think they were. The original one was, they knew that we're doing, they knew what they were going to buy into all of our emotions by showing people, showing their emotions, which is what we now thrive on. And I'm not saying it's, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about it, actually. Do I? Well, I don't watch any of those shows because I just don't. I mean, we've been in them. And Celebrity Big Brother Fee was... Again, I'm, I'm not, you know, where does that come from? I've, like, come out of uh, working with, you know, people doing psychological work and mental health stuff, and I'm thinking, who am I? What am I doing here? Am I, am I supposed to be mm. here? What does this mean to me type thing, you know? And it was... Uh, well, it's,
4: it's funny, actually, because what so really resonated earlier on, Ches, that you said, is you looked at yourself and thought, who am I? Mm. Who am I? Because mm. I, I don't know if you've ever done this. It's quite scary if you look in the mirror for a period of time and look and go... And you say to yourself, who am I, what am I? For me, anyway. Yes, no, you're right. Because I don't really know. I don't think I know who my authentic self is yet. I mean, I was adopted, so me and my twin sister, and we would talk about this, won't we, Neil? I mean, that for me, if you're talking about insecurity. Mine's all born out of that. It's about having spent all so many years and trying to conform to to, to make sure that I felt I was belonging in something I was so genetically at odds with in every respect. So I spent all my informative years doing that to try and make, everybody tries to make their parents proud. When you're adopted, it's, it's, it's magnified in a way that it's hard to describe. But I would say that, you know, all of that made me want to fit in and so broadcasting's great. You know, you go and do live gigs. You fit in, don't you? Because a lot of people love you for what you do. But I still don't, I still don't really know, even after so, a lot of therapy trying to work through I that. I don't think you're on your own. I still own don't bloody know. No, but some people do. They think I, they I, do. I, I really think. No, they, I think there are normal people who just like to live in their house with their family and they, everything's just normal. They're comfortable. They know their mum and dad. They've, it's just been a happy, reliable, normal thing. I don't really know what normal is, if I'm really honest. And I don't speak... I I honestly don't really know what it is. I don't think I'm normal. I didn't come from normal. What is normal, My my life didn't start very normally. I got taken away from my birth mum. So, (laughs) but I I do think this whole thing of... um, And Nicky Campbell's spoken about it a lot, and I really resonate with so much that he says in his book and what he's been talking about lately. For me, anyway, you know, being adopted, you know, I felt different. That's it. Bottom line, just felt different. Um, And anybody else, for whatever reason, feeling different, I really, really kind of relate to that. Um, and so you feel different, and so you try to kind of... You, try, you have to try and sort of compensate for that in every way you can because you feel different, and people make you feel different. And, and, and so I think as a result of that, you have to kind of um, gloss over a lot of stuff. Mm. Like, I think because of all the things, I, all the effort I put into trying to make myself not feel different. Mm. I mean, I'm not talking to you now, this is authentic, this is how I am, but there's still a lot about me that isn't... I, I still don't feel like I quite know what's in there. I've spent too much time trying to not be me.
2: I think you need to spend some time with Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> Lynn has a way of bringing out your truth. <laughs> well, yeah, but do
4: you know what? It's quite scary. I mean, there's a bit of me that says I don't really want to know what the truth is mm. because I'm very happy living <laughs> as I do and plodding along, enjoying
2: myself. Whatever happened to the truth will set you free then. Well,
1: totally. That's very true. And also, you know, that I would argue... <laughs> like, with the people that I work with that are about truth, like, I, I have this thing where I say, it's not the thing. It's not... It's not the scar, it's the inflammation around the scar. It's the avoidance of the truth. Mm. In essence, like yeah. the show's about change. And I would say that actually most peace comes to people when they accept the things that they can't change. See. When there's that stuff where you go, yeah, my father married my mother, then he divorced, then he married her, then he blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like there's that thing when you try and answer the question, then all that happens is it inflames the scar. You know, no, you're
4: right, Lynn. No, I mean, that's what therapy, but Jenny, my therapist, is a wonderful woman, you know, an angel as far as I'm concerned, sort of. And, and she, she's helped me so much, you know, kind of disperse that anger with, you know, whatever I was annoyed at with my mum giving us up, despite the fact that she had no other choice. But I think all of that business and and, and trying to, you know, when you get to the bottom of that and start realizing that. I can I can accept that now. Yeah. Much more than I can accept and I'm definitely moving forward. It's taken a long while, it's taken yeah. you know, late in life to be doing that and it's never really going to go away, but I feel in a much better place after this last lot of uh counseling that I had. Yeah. Really 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 helped me. Take a long time but to yeah, really kind of try and get some some peace in my head, you know, about it all.
1: Talk and just you. get on
4: with it. And, and and as you say, not worry about the I can't change you can't change that. It's taken me 50 bloody years to realise that I can't change that I was adopted. And you can't go back and, and make her and shout out as a little baby saying, please keep us, please keep us. I'm adorable, yeah. F- life up by doing what you've done, but I've got over that. So what well, have I? <laughs> <laughs> no. No. <laughs> That's the old bloody angry. Man. <laughs> no, but I'm but I'm fine. No, I can joke about it now. I couldn't before, but I really am. It's taken 50 years, but I don't I don't mind that it's taken all that time, and I'll keep working at it, but. You're right, you know, you're absolutely right in what you say. M- For
1: me, I have a thing about acceptance. Though I had to learn that acceptance was different from agreeing. That I could accept something, but I don't have to agree with I agree it. With it right, I accept yeah. that, that happened. I don't agree with the, that it should have <laughs> happened, but I accept that it happened. And you know what?
4: You're so right, Lynn. That's brilliant what you say. That is really profound. And I love it. I mean, that's where I'm at, is that I can accept what happened, but I can't agree. Yeah,
1: don't ever have to agree with it.
4: It was the right thing. Yeah. But you see, I went through all my life just agreeing with the, what was going on around me and never questioning it because I thought, if I question it, I'm going to get sent back.
1: Yeah. Right.
4: So, you know, it's like when you have that feeling in you, it's like, F- no, I can't muck up here. No. More than most kids ever think. If I muck mm. up, I knew that I wouldn't get sent back because mum and dad would say that, you know, we love all that support. But they always made such a thing about us being adopted, it made me feel even more different. So I always thought, more and more, God, if, I, if I'm not like my older brother who was there. Blood son, sadly died a couple of years ago. But he, but if I can't be like him, or if I can't be that, which was so different to me, I'm gonna get alienated. I'm gonna get sent home, or I'm not gonna be. I'll be kicked out.
1: Do you think mm. it was more extreme with you because it's so part of of you to connect to other people? I mean, you literally are all about how you connect to other people, which I think mm. is at like really at the core of you. It's probably like how you wear when you opened your eyes. You're like, oh hello, people, I'm connecting, right? Yeah. But then the, the adoption thing hit you harder because you are by nature a connector. So that it, if you were like somebody who were like, I don't care yes. about people, I'm quite happy yeah, to just yeah. sit in the corner. It, it got and- in the
4: way. It got in the way of me being my authentic self, you see, and that it comes back to what Ches said, which has really hit me when right at the start of this whole thing. Yeah, when you, you know, who the hell am I? Who are you? Hmm. Some people do know. They don't have to ask that question. And the people that don't, it's because they know who they are. They're actually happy in their own, in their own skin. Yeah. And I don't think I am completely happy in own skin. I wish I could be like that. I think it's a very rare thing, Toby. That... I know people that are, though. I see people. I know who they are. I know hmm. the parents. I know the type of families they've come from. I know it. I know about it. And it scares hmm. me because I can never be that. And there's something in me that wants to be normal, but I don't want to be at the same time. Do you know, you know? what I would
1: say to you, though? That actually there are a whole load of people like you who Mm. don't feel connected, who do feel like they don't fit in their own skin. And that's the point of why you speak. You don't have to speak to the people who already know what it's like to be in inverted commas normal. But you do get to be the Gary Davis, woo Gary Davis, to people who are out there like you, who do feel like they don't belong, who do feel like Mm. they don't connect. Don't well, that's have a lovely to thing to say. It. That's
4: a lovely way of putting it. That's a No, but that's a lovely touching thing to say because I think all of us hadn't really thought about it. If you're reaching out and making somebody who's in your same shoes feel better yeah. without even knowing, you've done it. Yeah. And there's probably it's someone in every crowd you play to that you probably helped. That's a beautiful thing, Lynn. I love that. God, if I take anything, that's a really nice... <laughs> that's quite <laughs> profound. That's, that's hit
2: me quite. I think it's one of the reasons we do this show as well because we talk about this stuff and if we touch one person who feels a similar way to you, it's job done. To go deep like this is really... Uh, Enlightening, I think.
4: Yeah. It's brilliant. Wonderful. And I didn't know if it was gonna come like that. I don't know what we were gonna talk about. It's got all over the place. I'm sorry if I've gone off on lots no, of no, 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 you're in the
2: right company.
1: And lost
4: you on the journey, but I, I love being in this little group, Toby, you, you know. Brilliant. But what's lovely, I've taken something from each of you and I never thought it was gonna be like that. What a lovely, <laughs> what Great. a wonderful thing to happen. Seriously, on a, Thank on you. a funny way. And I've taken stuff
3: from you today, Tope. Honestly, mate, you've made me think yeah, about in yeah. a whole yeah. different a whole different way now.
4: Oh, did it? Well, if it did, if even a little bit, that's really thank Chuffed to bits, mate.
2: Now, Toby. Every week we have our own little musical interlude on this show. We have our guests choose a song which gives them like happy emotions and feelings, um, or sad emotions and feelings so you've chosen our song for today now I know what it is as yes. I recorded my own very special version Ooh. just for you mate Ooh. oh <laughs> mate All your pants but uh, <laughs> but for the listeners uh, please could you introduce your happy song for us yeah my
4: happy song is Coldplay Sky Full of Stars All
2: Right. well here's my little version for you I'm oh, looking forward to this cause you're a sky cause you're a sky full of stars I don't care, go on and tear me apart, and I don't care if you do, cause in the sky
0: That was Chesney Hawks performing Coldplay, Sky Full of Stars.
1: Bloody hell, Chesney Hawks.
4: Bloody hell, mate. That was, seriously, get that on your set list if it is not really. Incredible. (laughs) That was a beautiful, that really, I mean, I don't, I'm not musically gifted like that but you, that suits your tone is that what they say I mean it kind of like fits your range. Per- that's a beautiful beautiful rendition of that song
1: thank you mate thank really you it really was
2: uh,
4: Ches yeah. amazing
1: oh man we've got an
3: album ready to go from Ches for this
1: totally you need to do an album New Hawks unbelievable covers amazing. Uh, brilliant of
2: these brilliant, brilliant, songs yeah no really well at least really. I recorded the whole song on that one because uh, the other, a lot of the other ones I've been doing uh, I've kind of been kind of chicken out and just doing like 20 second <laughs> <laughs> chorus of this and that that was wonderful <laughs>
0: Um, Toby, tell us why you chose that song, fella.
2: Oh, God, I chose that. Well, it's a very dreamy, sort of
4: powerful, emotive tune. And um, it's also quite romantic as well. I remember being on a beach with someone last summer, actually, it was, in Mykonos, and looking up at the stars and having the most beautiful time. Oh, yeah? And that song... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. uh, No, and that song soundtracks it. But, I've, I mean, I've always loved it. And I've always loved Coldplay. And I think that tune is just lyrically beautiful, musically beautiful gorgeous and it just yeah ticks all the boxes for me mate just makes me feel it just you know it's, just, it's an emotional release with songs for me i don't listen necessarily for the lyrics everything has to just make you feel or put goosebumps on you and that does it's all
2: about the emotional connection and it's it was nice to actually break that song down to its core which is just basically a little piano ballad yeah uh, i mean all, all of these recordings i've been doing is literally just acoustic and just me and a piano or me and a guitar um, and that one, obviously, you know, with the Coldplay version is very kind of—it's it's a house track, really. It's like a dance. Well, you no, know, know, that's what I
4: mean. It's it's a dance show. Well, obviously, it, co- it was written by Avicii, Tim, wasn't it? Tim Bergling. Right.
2: Yeah, yeah,
4: yeah. Um, and produced by him as well. And that, you know, that again, that's another. I've heard mixes of it, but that I've heard that song drop. DJs have dropped that in their sets, yeah. and it is quite a euphoric moment when that happens. You know, it's. Beautiful, beautiful. And your, your rendition there is, it is it's jazzy, beautiful. beautiful. Thank, oh, yes,
1: nice.
0: uh, thank you. Toby, thank you so much for
4: joining us. Yes, thanks. Thanks, Toby. Anzis, no. Thank you so much for having me. Toby thanks everybody.
1: Thank you
2: very
4: much. Thank, thank
3: you, Toby. It's lovely to see you, mate.
0: Right then, gang, that is finally it then for the end of the show and the end of the first season or series, depending on which side of the pond you're listening on. Uh, Remember, (laughs) if you sign up to our mailing list, you'll receive updates and bonus content whilst we're planning and regrouping for Series 2. Uh, and I think that's it really So until we meet again I've been Neil Harrington He's been Chesney Hawkes
2: He's been Brandon Block She's been Lynn Ferguson
1: And we are all a bit mental
0: Hang on a second <laughs> We have got a surprise for Brandon Ches? Ah,
2: now you started this at the end of every show So I thought I'd record you a little version of it Go on, let's have it
0: Hey! Hey! <laughs> Everybody ready? Hang on, here we go
2: up above the streets and houses, we
1: are
2: high and high. Everyone can see us smiling over the sky. Make the, the, the whole world with a rainbow. Get the flute out. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a little leprechaun flute player. <laughs> Here we go. All along the streets <laughs> and rivers, <just> shining with the lakes. <laughs> See the oh, colours of the, the rainbow as <laughs> the morning <rainbow>. breaks.
1: <laughs> Thank God it's only Chesney the second. <laughs> 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 oh. Woo! Chesney, do you keep to That's the second? It's yeah. a key depth for a fantastic.
2: <wrap. laughs> <laughs> 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 Bye.
0: You've been listening to We Are All a Bit Mental with Chesney Hawks, Lynn Ferguson, Brandon Block and Neil Harrington. Written, produced, directed, and engineered for Source Productions by Neil Harrington with plenty of help from Lynn, Brandon, and Jess.